this is the first Sunday of Lent. And I want to just start by talking a little bit about what Lent is all about and why the church does it. Historically, Lent is actually a period that was designed for catechumens to get ready for baptism. Um, they used to do this mainly because the early church asked itself, well, how should we get ready for baptism? How, how should catechumens, adults, be ready for baptisms when there were tons of adults being baptized? And the answer came, well, what did Jesus do? Uh, and Jesus went for 40 days and 40 nights fasting before he started his ministry. Granted, he did that after his baptism, but the church used that as, well, let's do a period of preparation for 40 days. And then what happened basically was that the church, the rest of the church, began joining the catechumens in preparing for the celebration of Easter by fasting. Anytime you have the, the number 40, 40 is always, you know, 40 days and 40 nights of rain for Noah, 40 years that Israel spent in the desert preparing to enter the, the promised land. And the, the, uh, so the number 40 is always a period of preparation. And so the church gives us a season because it's basically the, the, the issue that periodically it's so important to go back, to get back down to basics. What I, what I mean by getting back down to basics. You know, I've been a priest now 45 years. And there's one incident that hit me in a kind of an emblematic way as something that I've known for a long time. And that is, a few years ago, uh, a lady came to talk to me and she asked a very simple question. And the question was, so Father, I mean, what is all this thing about being saved? I mean, why do we need to be saved? What, what, what's the whole issue? What's the point of all this, all this religious stuff? And it struck me, what I had seen for a long time, for all these years, that for many of us, for many of us, the whole notion of uh, being saved, and of, of religion, of why do we need all this stuff? And ultimately, it's because we don't start at the beginning. We don't start at, at the beginning of why we need it. See, ultimately, being saved makes absolutely no sense until you're drowning. It, it just doesn't. I, I, I still remember, I, I went to Catholic school. I went to, to, all the way through. And it wasn't until, you know, I, I still remember the nuns and the priests saying, you know, Jesus loves you. And I, I would sit there and go, that's nice. That's nice. And he died for your sins. And I would go, mm, that's nice. Uh, I didn't ask him to do that. Thank you very much. Uh, or he died to save you. Save me from what? I'm fine. I was in high school. I had hair. I, I, I wasn't. I wasn't pudgy. You know. 
Uh, I was fairly popular. I had no intentions of becoming a priest. Uh, so it didn't make any sense until my life fell apart when I was 20 years old. Which that's another story too long to get into. But it fell apart. And I started psychologically and spiritually drowning from one day to the next. Okay? And it has always struck me that, I use this example, you may have heard me use it before. If you're swimming in a swimming pool and you're having a very nice time with your friends and the lifeguard jumps in, swims over to you and says, I'm here to save you. How do you respond? You look at him and you go, thank you. Appreciate it. That's a very, thank you. I appreciate your, the effort. But I'm okay. It's okay. And then as the lifeguard leaves back to his chair, you, you look and you tell your friends and you go, uh, a little bit off. But it was nice. But I want you to imagine like 10 minutes later, everybody's left and you're alone. And all of a sudden you, you are alone in the deep end of the pool and you off suffer a paralysis of some kind from ne the neck down and you start drowning. The same dude jumps in, swims right over to you and says exactly the same thing. It was only 10 minutes later. I'm here to save you. How does that sound? Now it's the most important thing you've ever heard. You'd give anything. Why? Because you don't understand it until you need it. It doesn't. You can say it's nice, but until you need it, you don't get it. That's why in the beginning of Lent, notice the first reading. The first reading starts out by asking the question, how did we get into this mess? Now, the question would be, what is this mess? Because obviously the, the, the story of Adam and Eve is a story. But you have to, to figure out what does it refer to for us. If, we're, if it's going to be meaningful at all to us, we have to understand what, how are we drowning? How are we drowning? And oh, until you get it, See, that's why in high school, I didn't get it. Life was okay. As long as life is okay, you're young, you're not close to dying, and you can push that off mentally in your mind. I say, yeah, I know I'm going to die someday, but it's not, yeah, that's not, it's right here now. It's not that important. Not that important. Until it happens. Until something goes wrong in your life. And let me tell you something. I don't care how old you are. Those of you who are older know a little bit that death is approaching. I am 73 years old, and man, I can feel my body just starting to decompose right under me. Okay? I can feel it. I can feel it. And you know how when you're young, when you're young, you say, oh, I got so many years left. I look at now, I'm 73, and I'm going, I don't have that many years left. You know, the last 10 years have gone by like that. And, and I'm going to be 83? 
in, in 10 years, I see death approaching. And my, my body is changing. It's not helped. And I see everything that I've ever loved and cared for in the past. And I'm going, so what's the future? What's the point? Where is this all going? And I see the drowning, the final drowning ahead of me. Very clearly. Very clearly. And so salvation, the, the very first thing you have to understand, and this is why kids, a lot of younger people, not all, but a lot of all younger people don't get it. They don't get it because they don't experience it. They're like the lifeguard who's having a nighttime swimming. You know, you're, you're swimming in the swimming pool and the lifeguard come, jumps in and I'm here to save you. And they go, ah, that's nice. That's nice. But they don't get it. They don't get it because they don't experience the drowning. Okay. So, Genesis, the first, the church gives us this book, this story, to help us to understand that there's something wrong with being human. That, you, can't, you can't deny that. You can't deny there's something wrong with being human. You grow up, you have all of these dreams, you have all of these hopes, and you look forward to life. You want it, you want to be fully alive, you want to grow everything. But sooner or later, and sometimes sooner, many times later, everything that you wanted is totally ripped away from you. Totally. Sooner or later, there's not a single one of you, there's not a single one of us who's getting out of this world alive. You know it. Okay? And so, and all you have to do to understand the presence of evil, the presence of not only evil, the presence of what's the point of all of this if all of this is falling apart and it will fall apart for all of us? What's the point? And that is an existential question. It's a question that hits every single one of us in, in our existence. And the quest, and notice it is a question. So why do I have the desire for happiness? Why do I have the desire to move forward, to, to live abundantly? And then you tell me it's all going to go away. Is there any answer? Is, is life one hell of a big tease? You know, you get this, here's a little, and no, we're going to take it away. Because that's how, that's how I've experienced life. You have hunger, and the hunger, <coughs> and the hunger has no filling. The hunger is for life in it forever. You don't want ever to stop. And it's not there. It's not there. And so the, what's the basics? The church gives us this story of Adam and Eve, for us to understand what's going on. Let me, let's look at the story a little bit, because that's where it all begins. Until you get that, if you get that story illuminates what's going on in our lives, you don't get why Jesus at all. So go in, let's go into the story of Adam and Eve. Now I want you to notice that the beginning of Genesis says this, the Lord God formed man out of the clay of the ground. Now remember this, remember this. This is not a science book. 
Genesis is not concerned with science. Genesis is concerned with meaning. I've often heard that science takes things apart to figure out how they work. Religion takes things apart and puts things together to figure out what they mean. Okay? Science can build you a great car, but it can't tell you why it's important to go anywhere. It just can't. So, the beginning right now, the Lord God formed man out of the clay of the ground and blew into his nostrils the breath of life. And so man became a living being. We have been created. We are not our own creators. We have been created. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and placed there the man whom he had formed out of the ground, uh, the, and the Lord God made various trees to grow that were delightful to look at, good for food, with the tree of life in the middle of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, let's stop right there before we go into, because most people just go right to the serpent, okay, right to the serpent. Look at the beginning of this. God created us to have life, to enjoy. He, he's basically saying, look at all this garden that I've created for you. Enjoy the trees of life and the, the tree and all the different trees stand for all the good things of life. It stands for music, it stands for food, it stands for sexuality, it stands for love, it stands for everything that you can enjoy. God made all of this and he said, I have created you so that you can enjoy. Go for it, enjoy. Keep your relationship with me and enjoy. Now what is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? I want you to remember that a lot of times people say, well, why are we all being punished because of some stupid fruit that, people, that, that Adam and Eve ate? No, that's not the point. You, you're missing the interpretation. The tree of life at the center is, if, do you remember at the beginning on, on Ash Wednesday, uh, they, the, the, first, the, the main reading was from the prophet Joel. And the prophet Joel says, uh, life and death have been set before you. Whatever you choose shall be given to you. That's from the prophet Joel. Okay? In the, in the very, in the story right now, God makes us free. And he says, a whole bunch of stuff that you can have and enjoy as long as you stay in relationship with him. Okay, because we are his creatures. But he's also given us freedom. And that's the representation of the knowledge of good and evil. See, the knowledge of, knowledge of the tree of knowledge of good and evil is not knowing the difference between good and evil. The knowledge of the tree of good and evil is, is actually, in the ancient world, to know something is to be able to have power over it, to know it, to control it. 
So the tree of knowledge of good and evil is actually the control of good and evil. So that if God says, this is not good, don't do this, human beings can say, I disagree with you. I am going to choose that. I call that good. I don't care what you say. So notice, here comes, so all of this is good. Adam and Eve are naked. They don't, they, nothing, nothing's wrong. There's no malice. There's no, nothing's wrong in the world. Now, now the serpent, the serpent is the symbol of, of the devil. The serpent was the most cunning of all the animals that the Lord God had made. Even we understand that everything was made. There's not, God and Satan are not equal. Satan is, is, is the devil, a, a rebellious being. But look at the, we can't get into that right now. But look, the serpent says to the woman, did God really tell you? Did he really tell you not to eat from any from any of the trees in the garden. Notice, did God really tell you not to eat from any of these? And Eve gets a correct response. She says, the woman answered and said, we may eat of the fruit of all the trees in the garden. There's only one tree, out of all of them, there's only one tree that we may not eat of. At the center of the garden, next to the tree of life, and he says, the middle of the garden, and God said, you shall not eat of it or even touch it, lest you die. Now, why lest you die? Because we are created beings, okay? The tree of knowledge of good and evil says, we don't have to obey, we don't have to have a relationship with you, God, in order to live. We don't have, we are, we possess ourselves. And that's a lie. But, the serpent says, listen to this, you certainly will not die. No. God knows well that the moment you eat of it, your eyes will be open. And listen to, listen to the next um, bit of the sentence. And you will be like gods notice he are, we are adam and eve are being told you can be god you don't have to have a relationship with him you can be self possessed you don't have to do anything and then the woman saw that the tree was good for food pleasing to the eyes Desirable for gaining wisdom. It, oh, it looks, Satan presented it so nicely. It was a lie, but he presented it. Sin, sin uh, dis disconnecting from God is never presented wrongly or, or something you don't like. It's always, sin always starts as fun, as enjoyable. And so she took some of the fruit and ate it and she gave some to Adam, her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Both of them ate it. And their eyes were open, and they realized that they, are naked. they were naked. I, I always think this is just precious, you know. I can just imagine Adam and Eve just chomping on that, and, and they're going, 
what the heck? What the heck is this? Okay? I, I always find it so interesting that human beings are the only ones, the only animals, basically animals, who have a concept of nakedness. Go home today and your dog, just say, you're naked. You're naked. Tell one of your fish in your fish tank, put some clothes on. Well, stupid, because the concept of nakedness did not exist. Did not exist. That's why, uh, the, the other part that I love is when later on in the, it's not in this reading, but God is pictured walking in the garden, and he's walking around, and he says, Adam, Eve, where are you? And Adam and Eve, Adam says, we were naked, and so we hid. And then the next line is precious. God says, who told you you were naked? Now think about that. When you're in the shower, well, I presume you, you're not, you don't have clothes on in the shower. When you're in the shower, do you need anybody to tell you you're naked? Of course not. Why would God say, who told you you were naked? Because the concept of nakedness did not exist. The concept of nakedness, the concept of shame, the concept of being alienated from your body, the concept of being... You know, it's, it's very interesting because the whole concept of shame is very... I've, I've tried to study it. Think about this. If, if somebody, not your husband or your wife, but if somebody sees you naked, okay, what is it that you immediately do? You do this. Right? What, do you, what are you covering? You're covering your sexual parts. Why? Because instinctively, in the new situation that we're in, sin, you know you are being reduced to your sexual components. And so you react to that reduction by doing this, by covering and saying, no, I am not just this, and you want to be seen as the whole person. That's shame, okay? Part sexual shame. And so Adam and Eve, disconnected from God, all of a sudden they don't know who they are, what, they're, what, what this whole thing is all about, and they start experiencing shame. Always remember, to me this is so important, remember the very word religion, religion, the etymology of the word religion. Re means do it again, like repaint, repaint, re-anything. And religion is part of the word ligar, which means to bind, to connect. Any of you who speak Spanish know that liga is a rubber band. It, con it connects, or the league of the, the baseball league. It's always a connection. So the word religion means reconnect. Why? Because you're experiencing the first disconnect. That's why the human situation. Now, what ultimately happened in, in reality, historically, we don't know. We don't know. The story of Adam and Eve is not a scientific historical occurrence. It's telling you that 
allergies are crazy. The word Adam means humanity, and the word Eva means mother of the living. So it's two archetypal human beings that are acting on in the basis of all humankind. What ultimately happened, we do not know. The Bible is not about that. The Bible is about the meaning of what's going on. And so the church begins Lent by saying, look, look at first, let's look at what got us into this mess. What got us into the mess? The mess of wanting to live and the mess of not being able to. And I, I, I love it because when, if you go into the New Testament, the New Testament, if you were to ask Jesus, why did you come? Why? He, there's an answer right there. Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it in its fullness. What does that imply? That we don't. That we don't have it in its fullness. That we want it in its fullness, but disconnected from God, we can't have it in its fullness. I have come to restore what you have lost by the disconnect that you have from me. Now, jump into the New Testament. Because in the New Testament, the devil being tempted by the devil, what Jesus is actually doing is reenacting, reenacting and beginning the act of reconnection to God. Notice what, what the devil does. The devil takes, takes Jesus, the first temptation. The first temptation is he. Jesus is hungry after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting. By the way, somebody asked me the other day, oh, Father, how can Jesus go without food or water for 40 days? I'm not presuming when you fast, it doesn't mean that you don't eat anything. You can, but Jesus probably, you know, John the Baptist ate locusts and wild honey, so I wouldn't doubt it if Jesus ate a bug or two periodically, okay? I wouldn't doubt it. But let's stipulate that. Jesus is hungry after 40 days. Satan appears, and he begins by saying, now notice the same, it's, a, it's, it's the, 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 the wiliness of Satan that spoke to Eve. He said, God didn't really tell me. And all of a sudden, Satan comes to Jesus and says, if you're the son of God, you're hungry, right? You're hungry. Turn these stones into bread. Now, how does Jesus respond? Jesus responds very interestingly. Jesus responds like this. He says, um, he says, if you're the son of God, command these stones and they come in bread. Jesus says, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Why is he saying that? You know why he's saying that? Because what is being tempted is for him to use his power as a God in human being, but without a relationship to God his Father. To use his power in a disconnected way to make bread out of stones. And so Jesus responds by saying, I don't live primarily by eating that. 
my life primarily is my connection to my father. And after my connection to my father, I can have all the bread I want because my father gives it. Man does not live by bread alone. In other words, man does not live by, by bread disconnected. Man lives from every mouth that comes from the word of God, which will feed you. That's where all creation. In other words, Jesus is saying is, I am not acting disconnected from my father. Notice what Satan is doing. Satan is giving Jesus the option of doing what he told Adam and Eve, that you can disconnect from God and make everything okay. And Adam and Eve said, yes, we can do it. And Jesus says, no, you can't do it. So the first temptation is he's hungry. Do that. Now notice what the second temptation is. In the second temptation, God takes Adam, I mean, God takes Jesus to the parapet of the temple, the highest point in the temple. And he says, throw yourself off. Now what's the temptation there? Jesus has come to regather, reconnect all humankind. But he has to go through the cross and he has to go through the whole thing. And, and, and Satan is saying, you don't have to do this. Look, just jump off. And as you, when you jump off, you're not, you're not gonna, he's not going to let you fall down. So everybody will go, whoa, Jesus, you, we saw you. Yay, God. You don't have to go through any of that. Fame, the temptation to fame. Notice that the first temptation is to pleasure, food, sex, biological. Second temptation is fame. I can be famous to all people. And then Jesus, and Satan takes him to the temple, to the highest mountain, and he shows him all of the kingdoms of the world, and he said, including West Chase. Okay, and he says, he says, all of these are mine. I'll give them to you if you but worship me. The temptation to power. The temptation to have the power of all. Notice the three temptations. The temptation to pleasure, the temptation to popularity or fame, and the temptation to power. Now you tell me, are those not the same temptations that all the human beings go? And what we're being tempted to do, and Jesus is being tempted to do, is to go for that without being connected to God. Jesus is being tempted by being the human part of Jesus, being the criterion. He wants to be, the devil is giving him the, the option of being the criterion of all good and evil in himself without connection to God. That's the temptation. And when Jesus says, no, you shall worship the Lord a God alone, and him alone shall you worship. What's happening? It's the reconnect. The reconnect. And so, Jesus is actually the new Adam. Jesus is being shown as being the human being that is actually acting the way human beings were supposed to act in connection with God. Yes, it's good to have pleasure. Yes, it's good to have fame. Yes, <coughs> it's good to have power for the serve for service but it's not good 
to do it as if you are totally disconnected from God. That's the beginning. That's the beginning. Jesus has come to give us life and to give us to the full. But the condition of that is that we can't do it on our own. We are creatures, folks. We are creatures. We are not gods. And the moment that the biggest temptation, and I, I see it all the time it, today. Think about it. What is it that modern man wants? Self-control. I want to be able to make my body do whatever. It, listen to this. My body, my choice. There you go. There is original sin being plastered all over the news, okay? I can be whatever I want to be, regardless of what God says. I can be a computer, put a chip in me. I can be a man. I can be a woman. I can be, I can be whatever I want. Because there's no reference to being created. I am God. That's the temptation. And that's the beginning. Without, once we go there, the connection to our creator has been torn apart. And we don't know who the hell we are. And I use the word hell there very intentionally. Who in the hell are we? And we don't know. This period of Lent is a period of reconnect. Don't do something silly. Make sure that Lent is a profound period in which you do your best to reconnect to your original self, the self that God created. God bless.